This is More in the Morning on News Talk 1010 Toronto. 8.22 on a Friday morning as we prepare for the long weekend. And even though this is kind of the herald of summer, the arrival of summer, it's going to be trending on the cool side. So it's going to be kind of hard to get into a genuine summer mood. But still, it's a long weekend. Today's Friday. It is a sweet, sweet Friday. So this next story is about the owner of a cafe that was broken into. And her son arrives at about 5.30 in the morning, discovers the front door has been smashed and the till has been stolen. There's about $60 in the till, apparently. And they called the cops. And somebody said, well, they called 911. Somebody said, yeah, an officer will be there eventually. And the officer got there hours and hours later. And they had already opted to clean up the scene and get on with their day. So they couldn't do any fingerprinting or evidence gathering. But how... You know, how rare or common is that kind of an experience? And can you actually expect that police are going to, you know, prepare a major investigation of something like a store robbery where you lost 60 bucks? News Talk 1010 crime specialist, former homicide detective Mark Mendelson is with us. Good morning. Good morning, John. Increasingly, people are being told to file reports online and they don't even dispatch an officer. Is, are we necessarily not getting the policing we deserve or is that an acknowledgement of the fact that, for example, in the case I just cited, the cops were never going to find the person? No, they weren't. I mean, let's, you know, we have to be realistic here. It's it's a break-in in, in a restaurant. Historically, we've, you know, police have often found that the people that commit these crimes are looking for a couple of things. That little bit of cash that's in the till, uh, maybe an iPad or, you know, a point of sale, uh, you know, tablet that's around that they, you know, they can hawk somewhere else. And unfortunately, also, you know, booze. I mean, we've seen lots of videos of them coming in and just grabbing two, three bottles of booze and running out the door. Um, you know, to, to fingerprint a, uh, you know, an establishment like a restaurant where you don't even know what's been touched or not has been touched. But you're, you're talking about, you know, a premise where hundreds of people are in and out of there all the time. There, you know, there are fingerprints everywhere. Um, so they're not going to get into a huge forensic investigation. Generally, what happens is that, you know, uh, you know, a guy gets arrested, uh, you know, a week from now, a month from now, and they can tie him into six or seven or 10 of these break and enters. And that's where the, that's where the prosecution, you know, sort of, carries on from that point uh i think we have to be realistic there are not enough warm bodies to put in in police cars right now john that's just a reality um you know in in the in the 80s when i was a uniform sergeant uh, a supervisor in, in a midtown division i used to put out uh you know 14 15 16 cars on a night shift two two people per car and i can tell you from conversations i've had with officers on some some nights now and even some afternoons they're lucky if they can put out four uh, so the police have to prioritize the calls. So you can be sure if there's things like assaults in progress, domestic violence incidents, health issues, um, you know, robberies, uh, you know, crimes that are in progress or break and enters where the suspects are still in the building or, or the house, that the response is going to be immediate because they have to keep those cars available. But if you have other things like a break and enter where the suspect is long gone, where there is no great damage to uh, to the premise or, or, you know, a lot of money is stolen, that they're going to fall further down uh, the list. I mean, same with people who are in a report, their stolen bicycle or somebody broke into their 
SUV and took the golf clubs out. Those are low priority calls and people are going to have to wait. In this particular woman's case, although it's very sad, I'm sure it's very frustrating. The wait time was about four hours. And from what I'm understanding, that's pretty darn good. I don't know if you recall about a year ago, John, um, uh, our, our good friend, my good friend, Scott Reed, uh, had his vehicle stolen in right. his house, and I spoke to him in the morning. And you know, through uh, through the GPS system, he actually found the vehicle and sat there. Eventually, to the point that I went over and met him. But it was probably at the end of the day about sixteen or seventeen hours before the police could get to him. And what we did was took his keys and we stole the car back <laughs> and took it back and and you know and just had the fob changed. Even then, it was another eight or ten hours because it wasn't a priority call. As frustrating as that is. The police have done a, a wonderful job of making online services available. People don't avail themselves to that. They, you know, if they have their bicycle stolen, they want a police car. They want to see an officer at the house. They want a CSI investigation. It's just not going to happen. We have to change our expectations. But people should look at the Toronto Police website. Look at those offenses. Look at those crimes that can be reported online. The response will be faster. You'll be speaking to an officer on the phone in a far short, shorter period of time than if you're waiting for that car to show up to your house. Okay. And when it comes to things that are a priority, do we have enough patrol people out there in cruisers? It depends on the day and it depends on the night. One of the problems is that you can't predict when these major events are going to take place. There's no prediction that there's going to be a shootout at an intersection or at a plaza or that there's going to be four serious intimate partner violence occurrences taking place at the same time. Officers get tied up with those. They're there for hours. Sometimes they're processing the prisoners. So if you put seven cars out and four of them are tied up in priority calls, it doesn't leave you with a lot. So the police have been very careful about, you know, being able to sort of move vehicles from one division to another on those emergency calls. All the police cars have GPS systems on them. The dispatchers know where they are. Uh, but it, very rarely do we ever hear of a situation where there is a violent crime taking place, a priority call, and there are no call, no cars available. It rarely happens. Thank, Thank goodness. You. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. Have a good weekend, John. You too. That's Mark Mendelson, News Talk 1010 crime specialist, as he said, former patrolman, former sergeant, former homicide detective. And uh, I always think a great storyteller as well. I certainly, I remember when I was a kid, I was probably eight, when my friend Joseph Wasserman's parents' home was broken into. And not only did the police come and dust for fingerprints, but they even at one point asked, I remember having to go over because they wanted to see the um, soles of our shoes in order to differentiate as to whether or not the people had broken into the home through a back window if they had left a footprint. Nowadays, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, I guess one of the better things in the home break-in business, if you want to call it that, is that eventually they get too bold and they get caught, and then you can link like 25 different break-ins in the same neighborhood to the same people. But the cops don't come and dust for fingerprints anymore. And I will say, you know, my experience, and it's not exactly like I was cruelly violated, but somebody stole my license plates, which was really annoying because then I had to leave the car at home for a couple of days until I got new plates. Uh, couldn't even drive to the place to service Ontario because I didn't want to put my car on the road and be pulled over and asked why I didn't have any plates. So 
ultimately I had to file a police report and I, it, it was uh, followed that format of where you call and then you give them a dial back number and they say it's probably going to be about a half hour somebody's going to call you and when they did I talked to a Toronto police officer she gave me her badge number she took the report she gave me the report number it has all come in very very handy in that as it turns out my stolen plates got a parking ticket so having filed that police report, I can, uh, I can deal with that. Um, but ultimately, you know, it was a fairly pleasant experience in spite of the unpleasantness of having the plates stolen. And I think that's sort of the new normal in, in a lot of cases where, listen, cops ain't going to solve this, cops ain't going to investigate this, but here's how to get it processed for the insurers.